0: Hi, you're listening to the Stefan Levera podcast focused on Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today for episode 126, I've got an interview with Ben Askrin. But first, let me introduce the sponsors of the show. So firstly, Kraken, one of the world's longest standing and best exchanges for Bitcoin. They offer a high quality platform. They've got high trading volume, low fees, no minimum or hidden fees. You want to be somewhere with good liquidity as well. Kraken offer 24-7 support. They've got best in class accounting, reconciliation and reporting. And recently, they've got Kraken Pro mobile app delivering all the security and features you love about Kraken in a beautiful mobile-first design for advanced Bitcoin trading on the go. Don't forget there's Kraken OTC Desk for more private, personalized servers for large block trades. And there's Kraken Margin, long and short, up to 5x, and futures, up to 50 times leverage to benefit from price swings or hedge your price risk. Go to kraken.com to sign up. This podcast is also brought to you by Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is a Bitcoin financial services company empowering customers with unprecedented financial freedom and control. They're using multi-signature and they've got an approach to collaborative custody giving their users control over their private keys as well as the benefit of a financial partner and financial services. Unchained offer 2 of 3 Volts, these are a great option if you're thinking through how best to secure your Bitcoin, you can use Trezor or Ledger, and you can also access liquidity without selling your Bitcoin because Unchained offer collateralized loans. So all Bitcoin is stored on-chain, in dedicated multisig addresses, the Bitcoin is never re-hypothecated, and you can also share in the security by holding 1 of 3 keys. I'm really impressed with Unchained, they're offering excellent services, they've released valuable content and open source tools such as Caravan. They've got more to come in the future, so I think you'll enjoy partnering with them. Go learn more at unchained-capital.com Next up, Bitcoin Outlet. Bitcoin Outlet delivers rare and extraordinary merchandise to warriors of Bitcoin. Outstanding design is not blindly slapping your logo on any object available. At Bitcoin Outlet, every product they carry is a work of art with a thoughtful design. In keeping with the ethos of Bitcoin, all products created at Bitcoin Outlet are limited edition. Once a product sells out, that's all folks. So when you purchase something from Bitcoin Outlet, you'll be one of the only people in the world who have it. Bitcoin Outlet is a sister company to Canada's bull, Bitcoin. Both companies, Bitcoin maximalists through and through. Bitcoin Outlet only supports Bitcoin, so this core belief has led them to align with other unapologetically maximalist companies. So if you want to rock some merch from a designer with actual moral compass and unwavering maximalist views, head to BitcoinOutlet.com and grab yourself some of the best damn merch on the planet. Use coupon code LAVERA for 21% off anything in store check out givebitcoin.io the easiest and safest way to get your friends and family into bitcoin take it from me i've given bitcoin to people before and they lost it they just didn't know what they were receiving that's why i see huge value in GiveBitcoin. basically you give you time lock and you educate you time lock for one to five years and then GiveBitcoin is delivering a world-class curriculum with input from many well-known Bitcoiners. I'm also an advisor with a small equity stake, and I'm assisting with the curriculum also. Don't forget, you can also get Bitcoin as a present for birthdays, Christmas, bar mitzvahs, graduation, weddings. Put Bitcoin on your wishlist at givebitcoin.io. I really think givebitcoin.io can have a positive impact on Bitcoin adoption and understanding, so I'm excited to have them as a sponsor. So Ben Askren is a recently retired pro mixed martial artist and former Olympic wrestler. So he joins me today and we talk about how he's really getting into Bitcoin now and he's really spreading the word himself about Bitcoin to his own following. And I saw that he was recently tweeting about the little Bitcoin book and trying to get people woke about Bitcoin. So we had a fun chat about Bitcoin. Here's the interview. Ben, welcome to the show.
1: What's going on? Excited to be here. Excited to talk about Bitcoin. Um, Let's do this.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, Ben, I've seen you've uh, recently been talking a lot about Bitcoin. You tweeted just recently about uh, the Little Bitcoin book, which is uh, a great book. Uh, can you tell us, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you, what did you first think of Bitcoin when you first heard about it?
1: Oh, let's see. When I first heard, so, you know what? Unfortunately, I didn't hear about it early enough because I really wish I would have heard about it in like 2011, 2012, 2013. <laughs> so, I first heard about it in 2017. Um Luckily, it was before the run-up. I want to say I was with my buddy. I fought in Shanghai. My buddy came up. He lives in Australia, and he had he had bought by that point. He had bought a whole bunch of stuff, and I want to say Bitcoin crossed thirty five hundred for the first time. I could be wrong on that. Um, that that's what I feel like. I remember, um, and so you know, he started telling me about it. We you know he we were there in Shanghai for a week. So by by the end of the week in Shanghai, I'm like, okay, all right and i started buying stuff luckily you know and then um so it was a blast because i I got to watch the run up um so you know i went about 3x and then i got to watch the run down and i went you know down down by a whole bunch and so i got i got all the myriad of emotions that went along with um investing and um you know but i see it as kind of a long-term solution to some of the problems that we have in our world and so i'm all in for the long haul
0: so I think most people come to it, they're very skeptical, right? They normally think of it like, oh, that's a scam,
1: whatever. What was it that turned you around from that view? Oh, well, I feel, okay, so I feel as though I'm open-minded, just just right right off of the bat. And so I I don't, and maybe, you know, maybe it is also because the guy who I was speaking with is a close friend and very trusted, and I also find him to be very intelligent. So when he says something, I generally listen, not like I'm like, whatever he says is just truth, but I'm, I'm going to listen with open ears. Um, but man, I just saw some of the obvious use cases. Obviously I'm an end the fed type of guy. I voted for Ron Paul in 2012. I see how our financial services system takes advantage of us immensely. I see the flaws in having a federal reserve. Um, I love the freedom that Bitcoin gives us. And so I guess that, that kind of, I I was naturally attracted. I feel like it's this. You know, in the early days of Bitcoin, there was a lot of like the anar- anarcho-capitalist type of people. And I wouldn't go that far to say that that's kind of what I am. But I do have some of those libertarian leanings. And so I think right right away, eh, I was turned on by some of the aspects that Bitcoin provided.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I think you were very well primed for it as well. But then I'm surprised you didn't hear about it earlier. Like a lot of those. Yeah.
1: I am also. You know, <laughs> when I think about how how woke that I think I am. um, you're right. I'm surprised I didn't hear about it earlier. It's, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. (laughs) That's awesome. So then, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience learning about Bitcoin.
0: What were some of the resources that you used? Like your friend, did he recommend stuff to you?
1: Yeah. So I started reading uh, a handful of books right away. Um, let's see. They're on my shelf. Can I see them? I, I know the internet of money was an easy one that, that came up right away. Um, Man, I'm not seeing any of those around. Anyways, I, I read about three, th- say three to five books right away. Start, started following the proper people um, uh, on Twitter and whatnot. I mean, you can gather so much information from Twitter, right? L- listening and reading. Um, and so, yeah, just started doing my own research. And like I said, a, a lot of a lot of what Bitcoin provides jived with what I thought about the world already, my worldview, and so it was easy. Yeah, that's great. And well, one thing I find with Twitter is... You can
0: often be misled. You can find a lot of misinformation on Twitter as well. So, how did you filter out the good from the
1: bad? Oh, well, the good, the bad. Well, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I would say on Twitter, it, you take an aggregate of everything, right? Obviously, you know, there's some people, if, if you follow them, you start realizing who know, kind of knows what they're talking about and who's totally full of crap. And I think Twitter really, and, and you know, really the internet allows you to. Follow things all the way to the end, right? So you see someone say something, you click on a link. you Maybe you search for that. Eh, I don't know about this. This seems like this guy's full, totally full of crap. Okay, I'm not going to trust this guy anymore. Once you, once you catch a guy lying or being full of shit a couple times, it's easy to not really trust him anymore. Um, so, you know, you try to like i said you you get a lot of resources and you try to go with the ones that you like the best great and did you have a lot of time
0: to devote to learning about bitcoin i mean you sound like i mean you're obviously very busy with your with your normal career did yeah. you find the time to learn about bitcoin or did you just make time
1: Bi- busy people find uh, b- busy people always find time for stuff that they find valuable and so yeah I, I found the time um you know again my, my, the guy who introduced me his name's rye he was australia um you know he would send me a whole bunch of links all the time you know and we would stay stay uh up to date and then obviously then once you start talking about it, you find other people who are interested in the topic and then you can bounce stuff off them also um and uh, yeah i, I buy I, again i just keep a healthy optimism about everything with also balances help health, healthy skepticism and uh you know i i think uh I would like to think I have quite a few good resources.
0: Yeah. So on the topic of having uh, healthy skepticism, I think that is a, an important mindset to take when people present different ideas to you in this Bitcoin space, because sometimes there'll be a lot of uh, questionable projects and so on.
1: There are a lot of charlatans in this space. I actually, I have a friend, uh, his name is Martin Floriani. He started, um, he started a company Uh, media company it has a it has a blockchain solution to payments of creators and at first he kind of pushed that and then after a while he's like there are so many effing charlatans in this in this industry i don't even want to have blockchain (laughs) attached to my company at all but i don't don't even really tell people that it's got a blockchain component to anymore they don't really need to know that i mean if they start doing it they'll figure it out right but um yeah, I mean, especially with the ICO bubble in, in 2017, man, there's a lot of criminals in this space and it really allowed for them. Um, but I guess that's kind of like any industry, right? You, you find good and bad people everywhere. Uh, so when it comes to
0: some Bitcoin tools and things that you use, what, do you have any favorite uh,
1: wallets, uh, desktop wallets, Lightning, hardware wallets? What are some of your favorites? Um, well, my, my buddy recommended Traser r- right off the bat. And so that was, you know, something I got right away. Um, and, and I will say, so obviously I'm sponsored by eToro. I got, I got to put that out there. And, um, so that, that's where I buy through now, but, uh, this buying stuff has gotten so much simpler since 20, what are talking about? S- August, September, 2017. I mean, the, the amount of ease you can get to, to purchase pretty much anything now is, 10 times as easy as it was back then. So um, now, it, now it's pretty simple. You got your Tracer. I have a couple wallets on my phone for small amounts of money. I have an eToro wallet. I have a Lope wallet. Uh, I have a handful of things on my phone for, like I said, small amounts of money. I have the Tracer for large amounts of money. Um, yeah, it's man, it's, it's simple now compared to what it used to be. And then I, I can't even imagine like in 2012, I can't even imagine what that was like. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, explored running like a Bitcoin node as well? nah i've never explored that i mean i just i got enough going on my life that seems like a lot of work uh okay i i think i think we could do it we could make it easy for you Uh, but we're gonna get you there i think we'll get you there i have never i've never even never even stepped foot in that direction i've never even googled how do i do a, a bitcoin node maybe i'm misled but i feel like it takes a lot of computing power and a handful of uh upfront investment and i'm just i'm already invested enough in bitcoin and everything else um so yeah No, I did not explore that at all. Yeah, no, that's, well, I
0: think it's, uh, that's part of the journey as well. I think people go on a progression, right? So they buy Bitcoin, then they put it on a hardware wallet. And then usually the next step from then is learning how to run their full node as well. Really? You think that's natural? Well, uh, not natural, but I think that's the that's the progression that we uh, like as like more experienced Bitcoiners try to put hmm, Bitcoiners on that that sort of okay. journey. There's a reason for that, though. That's fair.
1: Yeah. That's sure. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think like so. I just started this podcast with John Kim, Funky John Kim. Uh, do you know him? Uh, heard that's of yet? him? Heard of him? Uh, I might have met him. He he's, he he's a Litecoin evangelist. Travels the world. So we said, but. I think a lot of people, so obviously you do you do a Bitcoin podcast, a lot of people in the community, they don't understand how much other people don't know. Like, do you know how many times I've been asked, well, Ben, I can't even buy a full Bitcoin. It costs too much. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you, you don't have to buy, you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy anything. You buy $10, $100, whatever you want, really, you know, and just like, just like simple questions like that. So our first two episodes, is, what is a Bitcoin? The second episode, which we just released was, um, how do I buy Bitcoin? What is an exchange and what is a wallet? So you know, we're trying to explain some of these really simple things because I think lots of times people who who are in the space, they they take for granted like um how easy stuff is once they already know and they forget like when people don't know. I mean, even even me, sometimes when you had your tracer do say a firmware update or something, you're like, Oh shit, am I gonna lose all my money right now? <laughs> you know, I mean, like it's just kind of scary. So yeah, trying to simplify stuff for people.
0: Yeah, that's that's a totally a great point. And I think that's absolutely a great focus that most of us need to
1: have. Uh, I think one uh, good point. Oh, even my with- God. Uh, I, I, I just looked at your Twitter handle and it says uh, Bitcoin plus Austrian economics. So you voted for Ron Paul also, didn't you? <laughs> if I could, I would. Uh, I'm in Australia. but uh... <laughs> Oh, so that's where my, my buddy lives in Australia. He lives in... Uh... Newcastle, the guy who introduced me to Bitcoin. Oh, okay. That's like two hours drive north of me. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Um,
0: But yeah, I like that you mentioned around uh, a lot of the difficulty around like even when you're doing a firmware update on your Trezor, for example, uh, one thing that people don't understand when they're first getting into this is that you write down those 24 words and that is your backup. So even for your future transactions, right, they don't realize, oh, I need to do another. I don't need to do another backup. That is it. So... Yeah. What, what are some other things that you think were, you know, difficult for an outsider to understand around Bitcoin uh, it, that, uh, you know, maybe it's volatile? What, 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 would, uh, what would you normally say if you, if you well, get someone who says that?
1: I guess what I would say, um, no, I, I wouldn't say that um, it's volatile. What I would say is a lot of Americans, because they haven't had some of the difficulties that other countries or other parts of the world have had, They don't really see the need for Bitcoin, right? The US dollar has been fairly stable, right? There's been obviously a slow depreciation uh, in value, but for what it's worth, it has been fairly stable. They're not having hyperinflation. They're not having runs in the banks like has happened in Iceland or Cyprus or uh venezuela right so they don't see that they 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 have access to banks very easily it's not like you're in indonesia which has a huge portion of unbanked people so they're not seeing those problems that other parts of the world have that like i said that when you when you know those things when you're educated on those topics it's like oh duh bitcoin makes so much sense
0: yeah and i think uh, there are a couple examples even in uh, the little bitcoin book as well where they point out
1: like remittance or even being able to leave the country. Re- remittance is a huge one. I mean, that's, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Asia. I fought for four years exclusively. And, uh, but I spent time in both Singapore and a lot of time in Singapore, sometime in Hong Kong. But you see, like on Sundays, um, there's the huge migrant communities which have migrant labor. And usually on Sundays, they go gather and they send remittances. And you realize, holy shit, these remittances, um, they take a week to get there. The, the Western Union or whatever similar thing charges them ungodly fees of 10 12 15 um and so you see oh wait they can send bitcoin with uh you know like a 0.0001 fee and it gets there in five minutes or 10 minutes um oh my gosh like yeah so yeah i i, just, I see like that was i saw those things right away and it made so much sense
0: Yeah, it just, I think most people haven't experienced what it's like to be totally free and being able to send that money around anywhere, right? As you say, very few people really understand Bitcoin. And so they're used to this world of normal bank transfers. And then you send money and then you wait for for weeks or or for days, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then they might block you, right? Or then there might be some screw up at the transfer. I
1: mean, even a bank wire takes like three days. Like, holy shit, it's 2019. How How does this effing process take three days? It's absurd. <laughs> it's totally absurd. So, so speaking of uh, very quick settlement, Ben, have you heard or listened much around the Lightning Network? Um, I mean, I, I kind of know what it is, but no, I, I couldn't give you an in-depth explanation of of the Lightning Network. Um, at no, all? No, that's that's Sorry. totally fine. Yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting
0: you to have like a super detailed knowledge on these things, but um, just curious to know you know where you're at and w- what you're thinking about that because uh, the Lightning Network also I think is a very powerful uh, ability to very quickly send money and still settle it back down to the Bitcoin uh, blockchain as well, uh, and so that. I view that as like a real game changer in terms of being able to very quickly uh, increase our ability to send money anywhere around the world and just like settle it really quickly.
1: Yeah. So if I if remember, if I know this topic right, Lightning Network was first tried out by Litecoin. Um, I believe, did Charlie Lee have some hand in, in getting it going? Or no?
0: uh, I think that's one of those points where people people have disagreement in the community around that. So some people would say, yes, it was the activation of SegWit on Litecoin that helped enable, again, getting a bit technical, but it, it, that helped activation of the technology that helped enable Lightning on Bitcoin. Uh, there is a Litecoin Lightning Network. However, it's much, much smaller than the Bitcoin Lightning network um yeah but uh, that's a cool one as well in terms of being able to very quickly and cheaply uh send money around and it it just has dramatically lower fees and it allows bitcoin to sort of take it to the next level
1: so i think i'm really excited about that so obviously i use litecoin also i you know i have a loaf wall and there's a couple people i pay that i use for stuff and i pay them in, in litecoin and yeah every time so i i also use um venmo because all the you know so I, I got 11 acres here I have a res, hi, wrestling academy some of the high school kids want summer works so they come over and you know cut my grass or move mulch or whatever it is and so I pay them on venmo because they don't have I'm thinking about forcing them to get a loaf wallet or something of the like next summer we'll see how far I go down that alley but you know I, obviously I'm not I'm not going to give Venmo access to my bank account so I put my put my credit card on there and every single time I put send 50 bucks it gives me a buck 50 transaction fee and I'm like oh freaking venmo and then um you know i pay my one guy on my loaf wallet, and it's like okay the the fee is 0.00007 of a litecoin and you're like okay what's the math then? oh i just paid you know 0.03 cents for that transaction right yeah i say
0: yeah. yeah well i think similar right now with lightning you basically can do a similar level um uh transaction on lightning and pay pretty much similar level fees with that as well so you could even look into uh, getting them onto lightning i think that's also another uh important comment around building real world use as well so i'm obviously a big fan of hodl right i think hodl is the important thing but uh i think eventually there definitely is a need to build around that idea of doing real commerce in bitcoin as well so i think it's really cool that uh, you have uh, real world examples that
1: you're using it for already yeah, I mean, and that's uh by my podcast co-host John Kim. Actually, the clip we put up today from our from episode number two was I called him a dumbass because he's out spending his money, uh, spending spending his Bitcoin and Litecoin. He's out there spending it, uh, and we we brought up the example of the really guy. I, I I'm blanking on the name, Laszlo, I believe his name is the first. Guy yeah, Len, Laszlo. bought two pieces of 30,000 30, Bitcoins, and how man, he's a dumbass. <laughs> 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 I mean, he paid, he paid $30 million or whatever for a couple of pizzas. And, uh, you know, so John was saying, yeah, you know, people call Laszlo a dumbass and, but I'm out here spending because someone, someone has to do it. Someone has to spend to give it real, real world value. So, you know, like I, this is John saying, John saying, I consider Lazlo to be a hero because he's the first one that went out and did that. And someday hopefully people will feel the same way about me because I'm out here spending all of my Bitcoin and Litecoin instead of hodling.
0: Well I think that's a point where the, again there's differences in the community. I think my view would be more like actually the value comes from holding
1: and uh, well I, you, know, you know what I had this I had this argument with my brother last week you want you want to hear how it goes yeah let's hear it so this is again I I'm, I'm I will never ever claim to be the most uh, knowledgeable person about Bitcoin but Max my brother was saying that and he he does hold some cryptocurrencies in Bitcoin. He was arguing that you know, the Bitcoin has to be tied to the dollar and that, and that's what gives it value. And I said, I I don't really feel as though it has to be. And I don't feel like Bitcoin specifically, I think other things may be used for day-to-day transaction. Bitcoin might be, but I think there's also a chance other things will be. So I said, but a lot of people view Bitcoin as just a store of value. They're just going to go put their wealth in there. And the reason is it has a lot of the same properties that gold does, right? And that's why gold uh, has been a, a standard of wealth for thousands of years but the only problem is Bitcoin does pretty much every single thing gold can do if you list the c- categories where gold gives value pretty much everything that gold can do Bitcoin does it better or is easier right uh, a verification of if this is real gold or what percentage gold like I don't know how to do that that's gonna cost a whole bunch of money to go verify real gold how about sending gold what if I want to send you a thousand dollars of gold how am I gonna go send you I can send you a thousand dollars of Bitcoin in about you know 44 seconds maybe less, how am I going to send you $1,000 of gold? Like, real, literally, me to you right now. It's going to be tough. I mean, I'm going to go have to figure out how to divide it. Out. I'm going to like have a gold-cutting machine, a gold, you know, I'm going to weigh it. I'm going to figure out what the rate is. I'm going to go to the post office. I'm going to ship it to you. It's going to get there in a week. You know what i yeah. think, think about the 100%. complexities in that. So every every single thing that gold did, um, Bitcoin has the same uh, same aspects, just better. I mean, uh, you talk about how there's not a high quantity, right? There's only 21 million Bitcoin ever, probably less because a whole bunch were lost. Um, gold has a limited source of it, but you know it is ever expanding, so it's probably not as limited as, as they once thought it to be. So I think everything gold does. Bitcoin does better. Gold was valuable because gold, gold is gold. And people deemed to be value. Bitcoin will be the same way. It's going to have value on its standalone value on its own because it has those immutable properties. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think yeah, you couldn't have said it better. Now, I would say really. Uh, come on give me give me some criticism there make it make me better (laughs) well no
0: i I think the one point i would add to what you were saying is the other way you could have done it is go through a custodian right your trust but now what are we doing we're trusting somebody else right and then that's that's, you know anti the ethos right the ethos here is you want to verify yourself you don't want to just trust that somebody else is going to hold the gold for you and that they're going to measure it correctly that they're going to verify it for you you've got to do it yourself and that's why this whole idea of you know you hold your own keys and you run your own node and that's that's very much i think the ethos of bitcoin and what we try to really teach newcomers okay, okay give me
1: give, give me the elevator pitch on why i need to do my own node because i've never considered it and that now you this is like the third time you've pushed on this episode so you give me the sales sure. pitch on why i need to do my own node because i feel pretty secure i got i got it somewhere here in my presence in my house I have my Tracer wallet. It's got money on it. If if I had a lot more money, I would probably use a Casa Huddle or something even more secure. Um, but a, as is, I don't really see anyone else having access to my money. So why do I need to run a node? Yeah, great. Happy. Great question. Happy to answer it.
0: So I, I, let me put it this way. Right now, you can either use your own node or you can trust somebody else to run the node for you. So. Put it let me put it simply what do, you, what, do you, what do you
1: mean by that so define that
0: so what the full node does is it basically checks that you really do hold that bitcoin so for example trezor now they're probably not lying to you but trezor or ledger or one of these other companies who are running that they could lie to you they could tell you
1: hey ben really
0: you, well how would you know
1: you're right. I, I would. I don't know. So,
0: so what? It, what? So the ethos with Bitcoin is you, when you run the full node. What that's doing is it's checking all the rules of Bitcoin. It's checking that no one has inflated the supply beyond 21 million, etc. That there's certain rules around blocks and transactions. And most importantly, you're checking that you know without trusting anybody else that yes, Ben, you hold this number of X Y Z number of bitcoins. And what that what 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 it does is it helps reduce the cost mm. so think of it like a fake uh if you had a fake gold detector you know like those uh things to check if they've got uh tungsten on whatever think okay. of your full node it's like a fake bitcoin detector and so when you oh, run your own bitcoin okay. full node yeah. and you connect now it's great that you hold your own keys because you've got a trezor. so that's step one but then step two is learning to run your own node and then connect that with your own uh uh, key uh, uh, keys in a way, and so one way to do that is to. Like, I'm happy to take. I'm ha- actually happy to help talk you through that process if you like. Um, but it, I think it's quite you, simple you, you've, now. You haven't convinced
1: yeah. me quite yet. We're getting there. so. Okay, okay, all right. Well, let's. Let, uh, here's okay. the other one. Um, okay, wait, hold on. So let me yeah, ask on. Yes. So I realize one of the things that makes the blockchain so powerful is every. You know, there are all these nodes all, all over the world, right? Which are also which are all tra- checking these transactions and whatnot. And so essentially, you know. Like a bank holds a central ledger and no one has access to that central ledger so if they wanted to fudge or move stuff around they could probably do that right bitcoin not necessarily because there's all these open nodes and everyone can see what everyone else is doing um so i i I guess i'm just help explain to me why i need to do one well that comes down to how how willing are you to trust
0: that this company uh, will run it for you right because remember right now it's it's early days yeah. right but imagine in the future where let's say that company might that might that company might become bigger and bigger and more of a target for hacking or it might become bigger and bigger and more of a target it's for the tra- government
1: trazer. potentially trazer. I mean uh, yeah huh andrew so i guess the my, my thought the way i understand it this is again you know i'm not the smartest guy in bitcoin i have a decent understanding when i have my tracer I plug it in I send my stuff to my private keys right then my tracer is unplugged it is then put somewhere in my house no one has access right? no one can have access to that right yes. I mean that's that's my well uh, nobody no one can hack that yes and no so what it is is uh-oh
0: no no don't, don't like okay so there's a few di- uh-oh Ooh, who's hacking <laughs> me?
1: tell me who I'm who's hacking, hacking you me.
0: right now man no no but um it's it's more like there are ways in which you can still have your security compromised. Uh, for example, if you use a web browser, then somebody might use a malicious web extension and then they might present you a fake address. So that you might think, oh, I'm depositing into this address, sure, but then okay, they present yeah, you actually yeah, okay. it's their address, right? Things like that. Sure. Or sure, yeah. um, uh-huh. there are occasionally hacks against hardware wallets as well. So that's why uh, depending really? on the... Model of Trezor, it's a good thing to have uh, what's called a passphrase. You can think of that like the twenty-fifth word on your seed. So that's another good practice yeah, yeah. as well.
1: Well, what do you? So what do you say about like, the Casa Hadel system? Have you seen? Yeah, that? that's
0: a good system. I like Casa. Um, they have. Is
1: it is that that unhackable? Well, (laughs) without doing your own nothing
0: is unhackable, but it's more like it's it's like it's a it would be considered a you know I think it's a good security system in that they have you know multi signature and you distribute the keys. Um, So there are a few providers Mm -hmm. out there. So Casa, one of my podcast sponsors, is Unchained Capital. They're doing a two of three setup, Uh, and it's also possible to create your own multi signature as well if you're using other software like Electrum or caravan now as well.
1: I'm not that that educated. Yeah. Oh, look, I think... I can't can't make my own. No, no. But I think (laughs) it's it's over
0: time, it'll get there. It's going to get easier and easier. And um, companies like Casa are helping make it easy for people to hold their own keys and to uh, run their own node as well. And uh, ideally connect it all up so that they are... Because part of it is you want to make sure when you receive a transaction... So, for example, let's say, Ben, I'm making a payment to you and... You don't necessarily trust me. How do you know for sure that I really did send you, you know, uh, 0.1 Bitcoin? Well, you well,
1: would, aren't I, I going to see it in my wallet like five, 10 minutes later?
0: Right. But even then, you're still trusting that whoever that provider is, is not lying to you. And there's also a privacy aspect I mean, to it as well.
1: What do you mean? I mean, I don't I understand. I, I I thought once it's, I see it in my wallet, that, uh, that it's there, right? I'm not, no one's lying to me.
0: Well, that's again, that's the thing because you're trusting that the Trezor web interface is not lying to you,
1: right? Some, at that some point. Oh, man, you are so far down the rabbit hole. Now you're going to, you want to make me like stay up all night worried about shit, don't you? <laughs> We're all just here paranoid. I, here I thought I had this really secure system for my money and now I feel like, oh, shit, I'm getting so, robbed. No, hold on, hold on. Like the, Trezor themselves are working <laughs> on something
0: on this. It's called, as I understand, I think it's called Trezor Suite. And the idea is you can actually run your own full node and then connect your own Trezor to that. So they're coming. They're working on something similar to this. Okay. Um, okay. But there are other ways to achieve it as well. Uh, that will because part of it is protecting the decentralization of Bitcoin, right? Because imagine if there were, say, two or three big providers that everyone just trusts. Well, then the government can just go shut them down or just go and co-opt it. An there. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. and that's and we would say even like with gold, you that was that was what we saw, right? That the way gold got stored got very centralized and then it got co-opted, sure. right? Yes. And so in some ways, Bitcoin represents a whole new thing because now we can verify it all on our own. And literally every household in, down the street can be running their own full node. And so, so that way, how, how it's way more active,
1: decentralized. Uh, how many active nodes are there on planet Earth currently?
0: Oh, it's, it's, uh, there's not really any hard numbers that I could uh, say. There are like, online sites which, which show statistics of uh, listening nodes but there's a lot that aren't listening or easily discoverable. So we mm-hmm. look, I would say on the low end, it's like 10,000 listening nodes or whatever. But realistically, at least you know, 100,000 like wow. full nodes okay. um, around the world. But part of the system actually relies on more people running their own full node as well. So part of it is like keeping this thing decentralized, right? And I think yeah. you can appreciate that, right?
1: All right. Yeah. Wow. We went deep there. Uh, now, <laughs> now listen, I never, I never even ventured into the node territory, and now you got, now you have me at least slightly curious. So you did your job. Now I'm gonna go after we get off this. I, I, at some point, I will do my research on, on my, on a node. I'm happy to point. You, I'll give, I, after this.
0: I'll give you some resources, and I'll, okay. I'm happy. I'm happy to help you. So um, sounds good. Yeah, but look, I'd love to talk a little bit about whether you've uh explored now another thing that I, I commonly get when i when I'm talking to like a bitcoin beginner they're often coming and asking oh hey should
1: I do bitcoin mining right uh, did you ever explore that as well Never. or do, do you get de- that feel de- the same way about running a node um I just need to buy some bitcoin and I felt like that was good enough <laughs> so I think I think I, for, no interest in mining yeah have you ever had
0: like people come to you though and ask about it as well
1: um yeah i mean when people i i guess that's fair, that would be a fairly commonly asked question i mean you know when you talk about like people obviously see me talking about bitcoin or, or whatever on on social media and you know they, they're listen. there's a lot of people who have interest who have, who have not bought any or done anything with it yet and uh you know like i said one of the common questions is well i can't buy a whole one you know is there anything else i can buy <laughs> um i definitely want to you know one of the other common questions is do you do do you do any mining and um yeah. I just know I have not any head interest. I have not went down that path whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of any specific examples in terms of Bitcoin versus censorship? Like, I think that's a good angle as well.
1: I've gotten a little bit into that. I've, I've led a little bit into that, but I would not say I'm super deep in there. Obviously, I know there's stuff like Monero, which is even, even more secretive than, than what Bitcoin is. And I've Could very, very surface level tell you the debate that people are having on on the privacy of Bitcoin because people can shut down or or view some transactions. Like I just saw that one guy, I think he was in South Korea, had a bunch of pornography or child pornography and they were using Bitcoin for the payment and they were tracked down by their use of Bitcoin. And um, so, you know, it's not it's not totally private, which is, I, I guess, probably a good thing, right, that people like that can be tracked. And, and you know, the other one that everyone says to me, which is I'm going to tie this right back into what I just said that pisses me off. People say that's just for people who want to money <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Like You effing idiot brainwashed idiots. Like, do you understand more money is laundered and more money is used illegally with a U.S. dollar bill? Then probably it would probably greatly exceeds what the market cap of Bitcoin even is. Like, if you don't understand that, you're so brainwashed by mainstream media, you're a moron. Get out of my face. I <laughs> 100% agree with you. <laughs> don't mean to get angry or anything. No, no. I think you're
0: totally right because um, it's one of those uh, things where people in the normal media, they just they don't want Bitcoin to win in some ways. So they just like will say whatever and they'll, say, they'll just say random things and hope something sticks. Right, but if you really yes, looked in the that perspective, one, that,
1: that one drives me crazy. That one, I mean, Obama effing sent Iran four hundred million dollars of cash. Like, you know, that stuff doesn't happen in the Bitcoin world. Give me a break.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it just, yeah. It's the other big one is energy usage. Have you heard of that one as well?
1: Yeah. I, I'm. I don't buy. I. I don't want. Listen. I put one post up jokingly. That we got. We got Snowdon here on October 31st and I jokingly made a post that said, glad to see global warming is alive and well. Uh, and I put the picture of the snow on October 31st and people got livid at me and, um, you know what i am actually geography major. So I am probably significantly more educated than most people on the topic of global warming and all the perspectives and anyone who is, who is, who, you know, people treat this guy like kind of like a religion, but anyone who is certain that they know exactly what's happening with, um, global warming, I consider them being an idiot because I think the world systems are so complex and just bottom line, if you, if you just look back historically at most scientists predictions on what was going to happen if by this year, or by this year, or by this year, they've almost all became false uh, just just across the board. And so I, I think the, the better perspective is that we don't really have A great understanding of what's happening and there's a bunch of people trying to treat it like religion that we know exactly what's happening and anything that produces co2 is is evil and we must stop it And so obviously bitcoin produces a lot of co2 um because we have a lot of energy usage
0: right yeah but i think it it just comes back to what do you think bitcoin is replacing you know and if bitcoin is replacing a system that is very corrupt or very unjust then is it worth it? And that's that's the question we would say. We believe yes, it is worth it. Yes, I would say
1: yes, absolutely. And, and listen again, I think um, not not to. I think that the the final verdict on the global warming discussion is is not yet been been uh said i mean i think there's a definite possibility that there's some truth i i think there's a possibility that people are way off i think there's a possibility that that there is global warming that's not man-made right there's all kinds of these different cycles whether it's sun cycles distance from the sun angle of the earth that play into it right there's just a whole bunch of things that maybe we don't fully understand yet and again if you look back at anyone's historical predictions man there's it <laughs> just littered with just ones that are just blatantly wrong
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I totally appreciate that. I think there's a lot of things that we don't, we have to have humility and understand that we don't actually understand as much as we think we do. And uh, so, uh, you know, for me, uh, I think you probably will have a similar perspective. Coming from a more libertarian mindset, we believe in more of a market solution to these things, whether they're happening or not, right? We want a market solution to them. We don't want a government top-down planner uh, deciding what everyone else does. Yes, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I'm 100 in. What about um other athletes getting into Bitcoin? Do you have any other friends who so are getting there's, into? There's
1: it? not, there's not many. Th- there's not many that actually talk about it. I guess you know, I was just on a, a panel at the Litecoin Convention with uh with four or five other athletes, and then the, the one guy who wasn't there was Russell Okung, and um I, I guess those are the only athletes that are really into it. I you know, listen, I'll tell you, pretty much er- every guy that I train with has at least um. Uh, they, they they have a curiosity about Bitcoin and what it is. Some of them own it. Um, some of them have more knowledge than others. But um, I think it's kind of just general public. They're gonna figure. They're gonna figure it out over time. It's gonna become more and more mainstream. And we've already seen it become more and more mainstream. And whenever this whenever this next bull run hits, that's I, I think when it's really gonna catch fire with mainstream. Right. And for you, because even yeah. even in 2017 when the bull run was happening, it wasn't totally easy to buy. It wasn't. I mean, you know, and uh, the, the exchanges weren't as good as they are today. And so if, say the bull run hits next next spring or next summer, um, hopping on some type of platform to buy Bitcoin is going to be so much easier than it was three years ago. Yeah, that's the trend we've seen in this space that it's
0: sort of like there'd be a huge bull run, exchanges would get overloaded, no one could buy Bitcoin or sell Bitcoin in the uh, sometimes. And then there'd be a big crash and then the exchanges would have to let all these people go and a lot of Bitcoin companies would have to do that too. And then we would just rinse and repeat. Uh, but its it seems like the infrastructure is building a lot more. So that's definitely what I see. There's a lot more financial uh, products built around Bitcoin. There's a lot more um, technological innovation going on in Bitcoin. So I think uh, i am I'm, uh, I'm positive as well. Do you think it's, mostly a factor of knowing people that's what gets people into bitcoin right like you got in from your friend is is do you think that's the real uh, angle
1: oh what what do they say you got you got to see something seven times before it really sticks i think that's something like that's like an advertising yeah. thing so i think i think everything helps when when a bull run hits and and it's all over the news that obviously helps and then, you know, obviously now I, I would venture to guess the amount of total wallets in the world now is significantly greater than in 2017 when that bull run hit. So yeah, I mean, now people know when this bull run hits, everyone's gonna be like, Ben, how do I buy it? Ben, how do I buy it? Ben, how do I buy it? I'm like, Hey, you dumbasses! I told you to buy it when it was at 4,000 in January, 2019, you probably, you probably should have listened to me then. Now you're going to buy it at, <laughs> you know, 10, 12, 14, 16, who knows where they're going to buy it at. Um, yeah, so I I I, th- I think people will know kind of have a better idea of where to buy it at. I mean, I'm sure again when it hits, I'm going to have a hundred people asking me where do I, where do I get Bitcoin and be like little crackheads coming around the corner.
0: <laughs> now it's one thing to get people to buy, but I think it's another one is around having conviction to actually hold. What are your thoughts yeah.
1: there? Um. It's funny. I had this discussion with my, butt. my so the guy that got me into Australia is a very very close friend of mine. So we we talk frequently. But we had this discussion because I put out the the podcast number one with John John Kim called Funky Crypto. You can find that on the Rockfin Network if you guys want to listen to that. There's a link on um all my social medias. Um, But we were having this discussion because you know I was trying to break down what Bitcoin is in as simple as terms as possible. And then our our episode two is going to be what is blockchain. And I was talking to my friend about that. He said, Ben, everybody uses email. Not one person can tell you how it works. Or, you know, not one person that I know, right? I'm sure someone can tell me how an email works. I have no idea how an email works. I could not tell you. You, I don't know. You're pretty smart. So maybe you could tell me, you know, you know, (laughs) no, I don't. I'm not that I'm not an expert in that. (laughs) You're just in Australia. You click said, you send me an email. You don't know how it works. It just works, right? He said, Ben, people don't need to know how it works. They just need to know that it does work and they can trust it. And so I kind of feel that way of Bitcoin is like, are some people going to have a deep understanding? Sure. Right. Does everyone need to have a deep understanding? Absolutely not. It's just like, uh, it's that damn book tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell, right? The people who are in, in the beginning, the early movers, um, they are, uh, what do he call it? I, think, I believe he calls them mavens, right? They're the mavens. They're the ones that everyone knows. Again, listen. When Bitcoin hits its next bull run, I guarantee you're going to be flooded with uh, questions on how do I buy it? Same thing's going to happen to me. And so there are going to be people in the, that are in the know that that have ideas on how to do stuff. Not everyone is going to feel similarly. Some people will. Some people will, will get the bug and they'll, they'll get a deep understanding. Most people won't. Yeah, that's a challenge then. Because uh, I think part of it, though, is each
0: cycle, there's some people who... Go down that rabbit hole, and then they're the ones who build more of a conviction to actually hold. Because yes. what happens is, as the crash happens, then a lot of people get get buyer's remorse because they've overinvested or they don't know what they're getting into, or they didn't get in with a long enough time frame. But it's
1: it's it's anti-fragile. Um, you read that book yet? Yeah, that's a great one. You read it? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. I love it. It's such a great book. So it's it's just like anti-fragile. You know, for you know, we could use the Bitcoin here. He uses the the restaurant industry, right? He said, you know, if there's there's 100 restaurants, um, the next time uh, a depression hits, everyone's not going to stop eating, right? People people have to eat. Will some of those restaurants go away, though? And the course is, yes, people will probably be eating less. They'll probably be spending less. So yeah, will some of them go? Sure. If, if a third of them go away and there's 66 restaurants left, the next time there's an upturn, those are the 66 best. The other will 33 shut down because they suck, right? Or because they're the worst of yeah. the 100. And so then, when there's the next buildup, there'll be 33 new ones to come and fill that spot. Next time there's a depression, now again the 33 worst ones go right or whatever it is they go away. And so I think you know now. I mean, how many boom and bust cycles has Bitcoin seen now? I mean, I, I like I said, you got you got me. I've only been around for one, maybe maybe two a little bit right. There's a little bit of a small bubble uh, this spring. Um, so maybe maybe you got me for one and a half. But how many has there been? Five, six, seven, and so. You know, every, you're right, every run-up, there'll be people getting interested, and then you'll wash some people out. Those are probably the ones you didn't want in the first place. Next run-up, there'll be more people interested. And the same thing will happen over and over and over again. Yeah. No,
0: I I totally agree with that pattern. That's definitely the pattern I've seen. What I've found- Hey, is
1: is Anti-Fragile one of your favorite books? Because I freaking love that book.
0: Actually, I I would say my favorite by Taleb is Fooled by Randomness, but I do love Anti-Fragile as well. I really loved um, his series. It was really good. I- yeah, I really liked um, reading Taleb. He can be a little bit prickly online, though. I'm sure if you've seen... Um...
1: Oh, I love it. I, I love <laughs> it. I love when he gets a little, little hostile. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, yeah. It's. Really I like good. people with a little bit of edge to them. You know, I don't like people who are too nice all the time. I like people who, you know, they're nice most of the time, but then every once in a while, they might chew your head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, t- t-
0: uh, Nassim Taleb definitely likes to go after people. Uh, I think right now he's going after you know various different topics. Um, but he, he has been speaking about Bitcoin as well actually so he's been speaking about how Bitcoin uh, may potentially present a you know a, a real option to central banking and uh, he actually wrote the foreword mm, to yeah. the Bitcoin standard by my friend Dean Moose have you uh, have you heard of that book? I think,
1: I've, I think I may have read that one I'm trying I, can, I can't see my Bitcoin books on the shelf but I do believe there's a possibility that I've read that one. What, what was I just going to say? You, oh, you made me think of something else. Oh, by uh, Tilly, I guess my, fav, my favorite feeling, and I don't get this very often because I, I feel like I'm fairly well-read and fairly well-educated, but when I read a book, and not something like they, you learn something new about a, a technical innovation, but literally like a thought, a thought, but like the thought of anti-fragile, right? When something's fragile, it breaks. When something, what is the opposite of that? And most people would say sturdy or, or whatever, right? That it's strong, but it, you know, and, and so Talib's point was that when it's shaken, it's not just strong. It actually gets stronger. The shaking helps it get right. The, 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 all the ups and downs help it get stronger. And it's like, wow, I've never really thought about that way, but obviously he's right. And so when you read a book, um, like, wow, that's a really good thought or thought process or philosophy. Why have I never had that thought before? That's about okay. That's now that's boom. That's logged in here. It's going to be there forever. I love that. Yeah. And totally, I
0: think, and there's definitely a good argument there around why Bitcoin is anti-fragile as well. Like uh, one of the well-known educators, Jimmy Song, has made the argument that it's Bitcoin's developers who make it anti-fragile, right? So when something hits or some problem hits, they often are trying to code up a way to uh, improve that. And they're constantly focused on that.
1: Yeah. And I think by by nature, Bitcoin tends to be anti-fragile.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I think it just, it, it sort of pulls in people and then people want to help educate other people around it. And that kind of, is that, that process helps make it stronger as well. Uh, so for you, what was, what was your motivation around wanting to try and get into the game of, you know, helping educate new people about Bitcoin?
1: Because I love freedom and it's the future and I like helping my friends. It's that simple.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. I, I think it's, um, there are people you try and reach, but I think it, there are certain people who it's easier to reach
1: oh absolutely I, yeah i know exactly i mean those guys who uh they they turn on cnn fox news and, and drink a uh, diet coke on on the on the couch i ain't trying to talk to them I got, I got they got no hope yet they gotta they gotta figure out that epstein didn't kill himself before i can talk to them about <laughs> Bitcoin. that's great so who who are some of the people you found it easier to reach you not you want me to name like specific friends of mine Oh, no, I mean, oh. like, what sort of person, you know? What sort oh. of interests? What sort of people are they? Oh, it's oh, so obviously open-minded. Um, People who aren't scared of disruption or uh, to be rebels against the system a little bit. People who see flaws in the banking system. People who uh, are, are woke and realize that um, our world is run by more than a two-party system. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. that's totally it. Yeah. I think I've definitely seen that as well. People who have um, more of a... Willingness to question, I think, were other people who I've noticed were more able to kind of get around that idea with Bitcoin. So, uh, Ben, what's the plan for you going forward? Like, are you just going to uh, keep uh, producing podcast episodes? Have you got any other ideas around what you want to do?
1: Um, no, I think I think I you know just. My biggest thing, again, I'm not an expert in the, in the subject matter, but I think I, I can present uh, the, the subject in a really common sense, easy to, easy to understand way. So I have a large following on social media. So just spread the word that way. And then again, I, I believe when the next bull run happens, there's going to be a whole bunch of people asking questions and hope they'll be there to answer those questions. Fantastic. So look, Ben, uh, before we finish up, I want
0: to make sure we finish on time. Uh, just make sure you let the listeners know where can they follow you online and
1: uh, where can they find your podcast? Yeah. I'm just Ben Askren on both Twitter and and Instagram. I post a decent amount of stuff on social media. And then, um, my, I have a channel on a network called Rockfin. There is, it is a pay to subscribe, but I put, I put all of my, my, um, crypto podcast in front of the paywall. So if you go over there and check it out, you do not need to go behind the paywall to see the crypto podcast.
0: Fantastic. Well, we'll include the links in the show notes. And uh, thank you again for joining me, Ben.
1: All right. Have a great day.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, show notes and the links to subscribe to my show are at stefanlevera.com. Any feedback for me, you can email me, stefanlevera at pm.me. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the Citadels.